Welcome to the Single Lady Estates podcast. My name is Bobby Wasserman, the founder of Single Lady Estates, and thank you for taking time out of your day to join us. This podcast series focuses on the positive empowerment that home ownership can hold for women. It can be a key or stepping stone to financial stability that allows you choice in other aspects of your life. In fact, women are the second largest group of homeowners behind married couples. Roughly 61% of single women own homes. Even among married two-earner households, it is increasingly common to see women as the head of the household. For example, in 1990, married women made up 22% of the head of household designation. In 2019, that percentage jumped to 46%, more than double in roughly a generation. This growth really reflects how women have come into their own financially. Rather than throw these statistics at you for the entire episode, I'd like to welcome Jessica Morado Sanchez, a real estate broker with Integrity Realty in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Jessica has a great personal story on how she got into real estate and how that experience helps to guide her career. She's been gracious enough to help us dive in and focus on the real estate market from an upper Midwest perspective, as well as share her experience with women homebuyers and provide some tips on questions to ask when purchasing a home and what to look for in a real estate agent. This is a two-part series. Our first episode will focus on general real estate trends and generational trends, while the following episode will be discussions around specific experiences and tips that can help you find that perfect real estate agent for your needs as well as your perfect home. Let me properly introduce Jessica. Jessica was born and raised in Minnesota. She started as a real estate investor in 2005 and was a longtime member of the Minnesota Real Estate Investors Association. In 2010, Jessica became a full-time realtor with Remax, really excelling in helping people buy and sell homes. In addition to the normal transaction, Jessica also finds it incredibly gratifying to help struggling homeowners short sell their homes or sell while in foreclosure. Her investment background helps clients who are looking to build homes, buy second homes, invest in rental properties, or purchase rehab properties. In 2019, Jessica earned her broker's license. Two years later, she joined forces with her current business partner, Keith Taylor, at Integrity Realty as a result of the booming real estate market. Most of Jessica's knowledge and expertise is from her experience as a realtor and real estate investor, but it's also due to her strong belief in continually educating herself on the changing market. Since every transaction is different, it's her knowledge and experience that keeps her clients coming back through additional purchases and business referrals. So be sure to visit Jessica's website at integrityrealtymn.com to learn more about Jessica and her team. Right now, I'd really like to welcome Jessica. Jessica, welcome. I am incredibly thrilled to have you here. Thank you. It's great to be here. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Oh, you're welcome. I'd love for you to share your background on what led you into real estate. Well, there's a couple things that led me to real estate. Originally, I actually grew up with a single mom. We had four kids um, in the family. I have four siblings. We moved quite a bit. Uh, my mom continued to upgrade the type of homes that we were living in. And then the final house before I went off to college, it was one that she actually purchased on her own with four kids at the time. 
Uh, she lived there for several years. And when she went to sell it, we needed to do some remodeling. So you could imagine she loved wallpaper and the whole house was wallpapered. So that all had to come down. I got very, very skilled at taking wallpaper off walls. I finished the basement besides the wallpaper, finished the basement. And then in the end, after the sale, she ended up walking away with quite a bit of money. It was around $120,000. So that opened my eyes as far as what was possible with real estate. Aside from that, I've done my own transactions where I've purchased properties and renovated properties or became an investor first and renovated properties to make quite a bit of money as well as an investor. And so that kind of led me into becoming a realtor. I'd love to hear what it was like with your mom being a single mom with four children and what it's like for single moms today in regards to purchasing a home. Right. I think these days we have a lot more opportunities than she had back in those days. I actually had a client, I want to say it was earlier last year, that she had five kids, I believe it was. And she was able to buy a home and she was remarkable. I love this client. What she was able to do is look up multiple down payment assistance programs. And she was able to get, I want to say it was about thirty to $40,000 in down payment assistance to help her purchase this home. And not to mention the low interest rate. There's different programs out there. I've helped another mother that went through another program, Habitat for Humanity here in Minnesota, has actually a loan program. So there's several programs out there that can help with single people, but as well, parents really, and single individuals that might need a little bit more help because we know kids are expensive. So there's so many things out there that you just have to really investigate, ask your lender, ask the realtor if they know any programs out there. And if you don't qualify for one, there still may be several others that you could qualify for, or it might just be not yet, but it might be in two months. So I've had that happen for people too, where they might have to wait five months and then they would qualify for the program. They're just not in their current job long enough for that, the required amount of time. We all look online now for homes. At what stage of home buying do you need a realtor? I typically tell people when you're really interested and serious about buying a home, that's the time to connect with a realtor. Because number one, first and foremost, you need to go through the pre-qualification process. And the pre-qualification process will tell you what's your down payment, what's your closing costs, how much do you qualify for. And you can start looking at homes that are in that price range to see if it's something that you'd be happy with in that price range. But if there's any snag in your credit or any other debt to income ratios or anything like that, that could possibly kind of put a hindrance on you getting that pre-approval or getting that loan for that house, you would like to know it as soon as possible so you can address it. So again, some people might not be ready this very moment, but it's not a firm no, it's just a not yet, that you're not yet ready you need to overcome a couple obstacles and on your credit or on your debt to income ratio usually. Um, so that's what we're seeing. And a good realtor is going to support you in that effort, right? They're not going to push you into something that you're not ready for or that you're not sure of. So I just want to make that more of an editorial. <laughs> a good realtor supports you in your decisions. Yep, absolutely. A good realtor will 
work with you to try and find what you're looking for. So for example, this client, we couldn't find a house that she would be happy with in her price range, but she did have a family that was in the construction business. So what we were able to find her was a house that was actually affordable for her and it had an unfinished basement where her family were, was able to come in and help her finish that basement to add another two or three bedrooms even in the basement. So it was a win-win and she it was extremely happy with the house that she got. Oh, excellent. You know, it's also that out-of-the-box thinking, right? Yes. So let's start at the 50,000 foot level when it comes to women purchasing primary residences today. What trends have you experienced over the last 12 years with women looking to purchase their own home? Who are they? What are they looking for, et cetera? And what are the generational differences that you're seeing? Yeah, well, what we're traditionally seeing is we're seeing a lot more single women now than I did 12 years ago when I first started buying their own homes. We're getting a lot of single women that are out of college that now have a stable career. Uh, Women that got divorced, these are a lot of fun to work with because they're divorced and they're happy and they don't have to negotiate with anyone when buying this next home. So they can choose exactly what's important to them and what they want in the house. I've also helped a lot of single mothers that are looking to stabilize their life for their kids. And right now, it's a lot more expensive to rent than it is to buy, especially when you're dealing with larger families and unfortunately, larger homes. So it's more and more affordable to buy than it is to rent. But the last one that I'm working with a lot is single widows or women that are now looking to downsize and make their life a lot more simple. So there's definitely some trends that we're seeing with women um, and they're purchasing, they're going for things that they love in the house. So traditionally, the kitchen, they love. They love the master bedroom, the master bathroom. They most want are wanting open floor plans. Each generation, I would say, has some differences in it, though, as far as what they prefer. But that's overall kind of what we're seeing a lot of right now, as opposed to when I first started about 12 years ago. Well, it sounds like with women, they're ready to move on to new homes and a new life and make new memories rather than to stay in the, quote, family house. Correct. It's a stepping stone. And a lot of women, I think, see that. And so in whatever arena of life that they're in, buying a house and actually living in a house gives them some stability and something that they can now focus on whatever else in the future that they want, because they definitely have kind of their seed planted in this house and they can focus on, like I said, everything else. So prior to the pandemic, it was really conventional wisdom that millennials were less likely to purchase homes than other generations. That seems to have changed post-pandemic. What have been your experiences with the shift? And have you even seen a shift? I actually have seen a shift. You know, I was thinking about this not too long ago either. If you think about it, the pandemic, we're going on year three. And a lot can actually happen in young people's lives in three years. Their lives accelerate so fast compared to people in their 30s and 40s. So many changes are occurring. They're going through college and, you know, on to wherever they're going to live. They're looking for jobs, everything like that. So most of them are simply worried about finding a great job. But now that we're after the pandemic and we're really three years later, I think a lot of those millennials have actually found a good job. They're a lot more stable than what they were pre-pandemic. Renting, they could afford renting, but it's becoming so expensive, especially things that they want. 
in their place and all the bells and whistles and luxury items for renting is becoming very expensive. One thing I will tell you that I'm finding with millennials, and this has been pretty consistent, is that they do their homework. I love them. I really do. They know how to research everything since they grew up using computers and the internet in their everyday life. So they research everything. And then when we meet, they're very knowledgeable what's going on. And they really take on all the knowledge that I give them. And they just lean on me for kind of more guidance and more education to get them through the transaction. But yeah, these guys, they really do their homework. And I can appreciate that very much. Well, given that they do their homework, are you finding that millennials are more apt to go to a discount broker or a full service realty firm with the services like someone with your experience would offer? Or are you finding that they want to do this themselves? What's been your experience? They can definitely do their stuff online. They do their research online. They look at houses online, but they also research realtors online. So they will go and get the referrals and everything like that from friends or family. But what they will do is they'll research those realtors. And a lot of the millennials that I deal with are the ones that actually interview me and say, I just got a couple questions for you. And I'm, I figured, okay, and I know their parent or their sibling or their friend that they had sold with um, or that I had helped buy or sell. And they asked me a laundry list of questions, which I'm always happy to answer. Uh, it might be an hour, hour and a half conversation, but I'm not afraid to tell them every single thing that they ask, whether it's a good or bad or whether they want to hear it or not. Every transaction is different. So nothing is a black and white answer that goes with every single consistently, every single transaction. And so that's how it becomes more difficult where they do actually need to rely on us because not everything is like a textbook that they've been reading. Well, it's nice that they appreciate the full service. Mm -hmm. In the introduction, I mentioned the increase in women homebuyers. In your experience, what are the differences between what single men and single women look for in a home? Well, this is actually a little harder because there is about, I would say, there's significantly less single men versus single women buyers. I would say it's almost half from my single men to my single women. So the very few single men that I've had buy a place, typically what they're looking for is they're looking for an investment property. So they see homes as an investment property. And women, I do not always see it as that. They see it as a place to live in a place that they can entertain and enjoy life and feel really at home. But men see it as a fixer-upper or a rental investment. Men really want more space for like a shop or they might be a car enthusiast, or they might be into woodworking, stuff like that, like a hobby. And so they're looking for extra space like that. Some of the men love a certain lifestyle, like living downtown. And so they really strive to be downtown in a condo if they're more intrigued in that city life. I've had some single fathers, just like single mothers, that look for some stability for their kids and therefore decide to buy a home because of that purpose. That's probably one of the very few common attributes between men and women in that category. And then the other big thing is really that men like more outdoor space. They like entertaining outdoors. They like relaxing outdoors. They like being outdoors. So they traditionally, what I'm finding is they like that outdoor space. With women, I don't want to say complete opposite, but pretty close. So with women, they generally prefer little to no maintenance. 
They don't want to be snow, snow removal. They don't want to deal with cutting the grass. They have better things to do than all these extra chores that, you know, really you need almost two people sometimes to deal with, or you simply pay a service. That's what I've done in the past. A lot of them go for townhomes or single family homes. For women, you're looking at newer homes or remodeled homes. A lot of them, unless they have family members that work in construction, they typically don't really want to deal with kind of the fixer uppers or having to remodel homes themselves. They really gravitate towards homes that have an open floor plan, homes that they can really love living in and can see themselves there. Um, Typically beautiful kitchens, spacious kitchens, large bedrooms, master bathrooms if possible. Single parents that are women, though, tend to focus more on the school district. So they will be researching school districts that are actually closer to their side of the family when they're choosing a home. So that is something that I do see a little bit different between the single parents is single women actually with their kids prefer to be near their family um, and try and find a good school district in their family. And that's usually their top priority. I wanted to go back and readdress what we were talking about with millennials and the questions that they asked. Mm-hmm. What are some interview questions that can be asked to help home buyers determine if the real estate agent that they are interviewing is the right fit for them? So that is a great question. And I think it's very smart to interview your realtor, whether you're buying or selling. It's a great idea to interview at least a few realtors. The first step, though, that I will tell any buyer out there is that they should get a referral from someone that had a great experience. So friends, family, coworkers, someone that they they respect, right? That they respect their opinion. Uh, they think they have a good judgment of, of individuals and of circumstances. And I would tell you, get a few referrals from people. And after that, I would tell you to go and um, Google them. So Google them, see if they have reviews. These people will have either reviews on Google, on Zillow, on Facebook. There's a ton of places that they have reviews, us realtors. Go and look at the reviews second. If there's people that don't have reviews or if they have low reviews, I'll be honest with you, I eliminate them because I actually go and search for clients that are outside of Minnesota too that are, or that are relocating outside of Minnesota and that they want to find a realtor, I help them find realtors if they're relocating or finding that second home. So this is my process actually, is I go to referrals, then I look on reviews. The third thing that I do is I recommend that you do call them up and ask them some questions. So here's a list of questions that I would recommend asking any realtor that you're calling to either help buy or sell. The first thing is, how many years have you been a realtor? Someone once pointed out, notice we didn't say months because I hate to say it, I've been there myself. It's a tough spot, but you really, really gain knowledge in this industry from the time that you spend in it because every transaction is different and how you handle things are different. So you really get a good grasp the longer you've been in the industry. Do you work in this area? So the area that you're looking to buy, does the realtor actually work in that area? How many buyers or sellers did you help last year buy or sell a home? So if someone has asked me if they were buying, how many buyers did you help last year? Well, we helped on average, me and my partner, probably about 40 buyers find a home. Do you have any online reviews that you would have already done your research? But if 
there's someone that comes highly recommended. You can't find any reviews. Maybe they just have it in a different location. So you can always ask. In this market, this is the best question you could ask them. What is your availability? Someone shocked me with that question. And that's actually one of the reasons why I partnered up with my partner is because both of us were busy, but we could become a lot more efficient and effective and really have greater customer satisfaction joining our two businesses together and become more available for those buyers. So you want to make sure that when there's multiple offers on properties and there's deadlines on properties, that you're going to have a realtor that is going to be able to be available to get out there and show you the property and write up the contract in a timely fashion so that you can get the offer made on the property. Another thing that I would say is, and this is my own preference, to be honest with you, do you send me all of the listings available or do you pick and choose what you think I'll like? So I have clients that like both sides of the spectrum. I have clients that say, I want everything because I want to you know, sift through everything, but it might be 200 listings and you might be getting 20 more listings a day uh, in the spring market, for example. But one thing that I do and I pride myself on is I have a conversation and find out what specifically they're looking for. And then I tailor their search and I actually look through everyone's search before I send it to them. So if there's a house that does not meet the criteria that we were discussing, my buyer never sees it. I'm not into wasting their time or wasting my time. I want to narrow it down so that every house I'm sending them has some serious potential that they might want to go see it and that they might actually want to buy it. And that is something that my clients have said that they really enjoy that I do, that it's one of their favorite things. Let's see. Oh, do they ever know about listings that aren't on the market? So right now, there's not a lot of those. But if you think about they, there might be occasionally some. So for sale by owners, pocket listings, foreclosures, or sellers that aren't quite ready to sell yet, or maybe they're not sure yet. Sometimes you can put a brand new buyer with a seller that's not on the market, and it might be a win-win. You might be able to actually get that pulled off. So I tell people, I'm like, I never promise people that this is going to happen. However, it is always possible that we can find you something that's not on the market. And I have in the past. So that's why I I try and use every different avenue possible to find somebody a house that they would love. I would recommend asking, what are your negotiating strengths? So what are some ways that you help buyers win multiple offer situations? Because that's our market right now. And I tell them, I say, you know, it depends on the price. Um, Your loan approval, what kind of approval do you have? Is it FHA? Is it VA? Is it conventional? Is it cash? Can you be flexible on the closing date? Um, inspection, can we shorten the inspection timeframe? So there are so many things that you can do to make your offer better. Will it win necessarily? Not in all cases, because you can always come up against something that's more powerful. Our goal is just to make it the strongest possible offer. So feel free to talk to realtors about that and ask them, what are some ways that you help buyers win multiple offer situations? I tell my buyers everything. My buyers are so educated by the time they're done with this process. Um, and that's why I think that they come back to me time and time again. But I'm not afraid to really tell anyone that I'm on the phone with that's interviewing me to be their realtor, every single possibility that we can, you know, what we can do to win a transaction. 
So I think that that also has helped me really gain a lot of their trust and win a lot of these interviews versus other realtors because I do tell them everything. I'm not afraid of it. If they want to use me, I'm honored. If not, good luck. And I wish you the best with your home buying experience. These are excellent. Uh, we have a really great overview of the market now. And whether you are in Minneapolis or Houston or Connecticut or California, these tips can be useful no matter where your next home is located. Thanks, Jessica. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And on our next episode, we're going to take a deeper dive into home buying post-pandemic and some emerging trends for women. Be sure to join us at singleladyestates.com, subscribe to our podcast, and be sure to check out our conversations on our social media channels.